Hey everybody, quick programming note, starting November 11th in just a couple weeks, we're going to be cutting back to just one episode a week for just the rest of the year, because we know it's holiday time, y'all got a lot going on, but as you're shopping and driving and driving and shopping, be sure to check out all the crazy abundance of past episodes. There's over a hundred, and you don't know it all yet, so this is your opportunity. It's free! Tell your friends about the Spirit Guys Society podcast for those who want to learn more about the spirits that they love. An ambulance is coming to take you away to a place of higher spirit knowledge. Cheers to you. Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. I've got my main man, Luis Rodriguez, Assistant General Manager of Las Perlas downtown Los Angeles with me today. And we have as our guest, the one and only Joshua Allen in the house. Boom. Hacienda de Banuelos. Sí, what else do we have, Luis? Uh, and then here, lastly, we're going to have, I believe, what is called Yui Bacanora. Ooh. It's currently one of the few, but our favorite Bacanora we are carrying here at Las Perlas. Uh, recently was brought to us by the wonderful Josh and did some, uh, did some tasting on it and snagged up a couple of bottles. And, um, you know, it's one of those spirits that people are starting to slowly trend towards. You know, Mezcal was one big step for others, and now it's kind of... Another step forward. Exploring so. some of the Exploring other plants yeah. that are harvested for the purpose of making you feel better about life. Just in general. Better about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, how are you doing today, man? I'm real good, buddy. Thanks for having me in. Yeah, I'm glad we could get you in. We got fires, wildfires all over Los Angeles. and Shit is fire. You had to like take care of the kids. Your kids' schools got closed. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I can't get to them. There's a wall of fire between me and them right now, oh so I'm God. just going to sit here and drink. Oh, my goodness. That's Did we bring enough bottles? True. None of that's true. <laughs> They're His safe. His kids are fine. They're with oh mom. Oh, my God. He is going to go, you know, like tag out mom in a little while. We're going to go tag out. We're going to go Halloween dancing tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. But before we do that, daddy's going to get good and liquored up. (laughs) Real foot loose. (laughs) So Hacienda de Banuelos. Hacienda de Banuelos named for the fourth generation mezcalero Jaime Banuelos. Uh creating this lovely spirit in Zacatecas, which is the state directly north of Jalisco, which bears mentioning because this first expression is 100% blue Weber agave. But they can't call it tequila because they're not one of the five, six, seven, eight different uh, nation states that contribute to the tequila nom? That is correct, sir. Uh, So I believe... The, the way that the DO functions for, or the CRT, we should say. CRT. Right? The CRT put the DO uh, throughout the state of Jalisco. And as they expanded it, they did not expand to entire states. And I, I believe it's within four others now. But it's only certain municipalities inside of those states. Michoacan, for example, right? Um, and when you really look at what's been approved uh, as tequila in states that are not Jalisco, and the fact that we're not seeing any of it here. There's, I haven't seen a tequila, straight up certified tequila in the U.S. market yet that isn't from, you know, isn't from Jalisco. Uh, and it, it kind of points to the fact that the CRT 
it will go ahead and call it self-serving, um, was not interested in expanding the DO into any areas that could actually compete for market share. Oh, uh-huh. as we do. Yeah, right. So Zacatecas, which is directly to the south, um, this particular area of Zacatecas, if you, if you glance at a map of the two states, uh, part of the southwestern border of Zacatecas it is, looks... I mean, for it's like just teeth. it's like teeth like this. Do we have it behind it, me? Yeah, you can yeah. see it on the map. There's that on the map right there. It's like to the yeah. left, that little curvy area, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It looks like the huevos of Zacatecas are dipping down onto Jalisco's <laughs> like head. I like that. And <laughs> after the tea bag, they shake hands. And that's to the the west there. You can see where they're shaking hands. How gentlemanly. It's, it's, it, they interlace their fingers because they're at a new level now Just, after the whole tea bag experience. It's as if Jalisco is holding them politely. Yes. Um, as you should. As you should. Take one deep cough, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, doctor. So... So uh, what's going on here is that throughout that entire region, you have an abundance of, of Blue Weber growing. and You have lots of families uh, on both sides of that really <laughs> uh, nuanced border. Um, you just can't get that image out of your head I now. can't now. Uh, but, we, you know, families like this one that are essentially, we're going to go ahead and keep relying on inappropriate imagery and saying lying deep within the uh, DO, um, because of the way that Jalisco surrounds them on all three sides, uh, and I mean, they're literally their uh, uh, taberna, as it's as it's called. There is like five kilometers shy of actually being inside of the DO, right? But they're making 100% Blue Weber distillate that they cannot call tequila. And my whole point being that Zacatecas is not part of that DO because the CRT saw that Zacatecas could actually compete for market share. Um, and they just didn't want any part of that. So uh, Zacatecas falls inside of one of the, what is it, currently nine states? Nine states for mezcal production. Right? Pushing, they're so, pushing for more now, but yeah, something's Pushing going for on. more. Um, but, you know, as the current state, you know, with what you're saying and, you know, CRT and CRM and you know. CRM is, uh, you know, these, these, uh, these, these regulations and all these legalities are really just like stopping the current movement of what's happening, let alone expanding them is really not going to bring yeah. much more change. It's just kind of more favorable it's, uh, for, it, for some interest. It's kind of it's kind of important to understand that those like governing bodies, the CRM, the CRT, these aren't like socialist government organizations. They're, they're essentially private organizations <laughs> owned by people with lots of money who are going to mm-hmm. you know, serve their own interests. Um, this brand in general, being that Zacatecas is a mezcal state, um, is a, uh, a good indicator of the fact that, um, so, so the, the portfolio, both of these brands, the Bacanora included and some other ones that, uh, that we distribute, are all part of this portfolio owned by Esteban Morales Caribe, who grew up in Jalisco. Um, and kind of accidentally stumbled upon people making what they call Raisia right up in the, in the mountain area mm-hmm. and falling in love with it and realizing like, you know, the U S and, you know, to some extent, the world at large are starting to associate Mezcal, not specifically with Mexico, but with Oaxaca. Yeah. Um, and Esteban has become this very, very loud voice of non Oaxacan agave distillate and, and the idea that whether it's called mezcal or whether it's called bacanora or racia or lechuguilla or what have you, like it's all mezcal, just like tequila, it's all agave, it's all mezcal. 
um, and these ideas that the you know the CRM is like this is mezcal and this isn't when most of the states in Mexico have a history of agave distillation and Zacatecas in this particular area is making 100% Blue Weber agave distillate. Yeah, it's like when I remember growing up is like you know uh, my grandparents from my father's side are all from the state of Mexico, you know outside of Mexico City near the pyramids, and then my mother's side is from Durango, and you know in those days it's like it was all referred to as mezcal de vino. Mm. It was, you know, it's just a, a maceration of just what local agaves are around. And it was a wine that served, you know, in the same fashion that you would serve table, traditional table wine at dinner or like at a family party. Uh, you know, and then obviously as the years have progressed, you see all these changes with, you know, the regulations and things like that. And, you know, uh, you know, to kind of talk about a little bit what you were saying with Hacienda de Banuelos and this Blue Weber expression is like if you look at all of its distillation notes and everything that's done, it's done very much in the fashion of tequila, but it kind of leaves the brand in like this awkward position with its locals where it's like we have to call it a mezcal because the regulatory boards won't allow us to call it tequila, but we don't want to disrespect the people who actually make mezcal in artisanal or ancestral fashion because we're that's not, not making it that doing, because no, that's not, not what they're, they're doing. doing. Interesting. And so the CRT, in a way, is, yeah, go ahead and let's pour some. Let's pour some. They're, they're not really paying attention to kind of the traditions, the way that things have always been done. They're, mm-hmm. you know, cutting up this pie into slices and saying who can do what. But the truth of the matter is that people have been doing their own thing all over different styles, all over Mexico, yeah. using agave-based or other plants, anything with fermentable sugars. Just now, these many corporations or governmental structures, substructures that are perhaps not as honest as they could be or out for someone else's interests are, you know, controlling what actually gets sold here in the States. Who's ever heard of such a thing? (laughs) (laughs) So this first expression, now... You were saying that they're doing more of a tequila method. So this is a brick oven, or well, how they yeah, cooking well, yeah, their agaves? Yes no. Um, uh, there's there's a this actually kind of straddles uh, traditional mezcal production and tequila. So uh, the agaves are harvested traditionally. They are cooked with indirect heat, right? Which is kind of the mark of a tequila. Um, in this case, it's funny they they before I came into contact with the juice itself, um, you know, we were hearing things like, oh, well, they use autoclaves, and that's kind of a kind of a you know a bad word in tequila production it, it can go either way right it can go either way thank you yeah you use an autoclave well it's it's so an autoclave really is just is just a big oven and then come to realize that you know it's not there are those autoclaves that are these huge you know steel tubes that are essentially like kind of almost microwaving like i mean it's steam but like you do like eight ten tons in like eight hours right and there isn't any proper drainage so all of that like undesirable, uh, bitter honeys, like just all of that junk that's accumulated for agaves that have been growing for, you know, eight or 10 years in the same place. They just, there's there's kind of a dirty film all over them. You don't want that in your finished mash. But when you do like big ass autoclaves and diffusers, if we even say that word, right? Like you end up with all this undesirable stuff and then they, they, you know, they adulterate to, to change the flavor of it and give it something resembling like a house style, quote unquote. But um, these guys said autoclave, and what we, what we come to understand is that it's a hand-built ceramic oven, right? It's not a brick oven. It's a ceramic oven 
Um, and they slow cook for, you know, 36 hours and it's, it's a small amount of agave at the same time. So it's it with proper drainage. So they wow. said autoclave, but to them, that doesn't mean necessarily a bad thing, right? Autoclave can be good or bad. Stainless steel pressure yeah, cooker. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's, it's totally, it's not that it's not the ordinal. It's not like the, uh, you know, the brick oven, but I mean, it's, it's ceramic, it's clay. It's, it's, uh, uh, traditionally cooked. It's slow cooked. Um, so in that way, it's similar to a, to a artisanal tequila. Um, where, where they change is that, um, it is milled by Tejona. So they're using the big stone wheel to crush. It's not all shredded up. Um, and the juice is actually wild fermented, right? So that's completely different. I mean, tequilas are at this point, everybody's using controlled yeast strains and it's, it's not, it's not like that at all. So this is in that sense, a mezcal. And I think if you taste it, you see where though the familiarity of the blue Weber is definitely there because that's what it is the notes that you're getting on top of that are a bit different than you would associate with uh, tequila from Jalisco. So no added yeast? This is all wild, wild yeast? Wild, wild yeast. No added. Wow, no that's added. cool. Yeah. Very and much uh, stainless, stainless steel tubs, right? Uh, yes. And then copper, copper, copper steel. I'm pretty sure. These guys might even be using like... A lot of these smaller producers are using... Uh, I know it's the case of the Bacanor, and I'm trying to remember if these guys use stainless or pine. They it's possible that they're also using like spent rotoplast, right? So they're using the big plastic tubs that you see on the roofs yeah, of all yeah. the houses, because I know that's very common with a lot of these. Sure. Cause that's it's, what they it's have. Non-reactive. That's what they have. You have a big blue plastic tub. Like why, why not? You know, you're not they're keeping your water in it anymore. To, yeah, the government gives it to you. Right. So that I know that's what that Bacanora is using. I know some of the Garcia that's in that same portfolio. It's just what's convenient. Um, it's just funny when they actually put it on the back of the label, like it's a, part of like the DL. <laughs> oh, plastic. Yes. Um, but, but I'm, I'm actually not entirely sure that they might be using that. It's, it's small production. Yeah. So stick your nose in that glass. What do you get off of this Hacienda de Banuelos? What is it called here? Just Blue Weber? Yeah. Tequilana is the Tequila. local name for the Blue Weber agave. Sometimes you'll see it called what? Azul, right? Yeah. Um, Azul. But this one on this one, they label it as Tequilana. That's so cool. It's got a cool, like, uh, minty, pasty thing going on. It's a little gluey, but with, like, a kind of spearmint on top mm-hmm. of it. Ooh, I, I smell some chocolate underneath there, but this is no time in a barrel at all. None at all. No. There's no aging done on it. Luis, what are you getting? I'm getting, like, almost like a, it's like a apple, but, like, cooked apple, you know, with a little bit of spice. I'm getting, like, a, some sort of, like, more light Light-bodied, almost like a nutmeg-type flavor. All right. I the like nose that. there. Spicy, but and not then, like a cinnamon spice. Yeah, definitely not like as abrasive like a, like as a niece or a cinnamon or anything like that. Not like a black pepper or something. Mm-hmm. Like A little woody. more subtle, yeah, woody. On the nose, I mean, I definitely also pick up something that's a bit lactic, a bit mm-hmm. cheesy there, right? Yeah. Not, that, not really on the palate, though. Ooh, it's, wow. It's very got a big, oily, unctuous bottom in there I like it's got some dark chocolate things happening well that's really good dark fruit like a stewed fruit mm-hmm. so that baked apple there's other things in there too once you get it on your tongue it's yeah. like maybe like plums and some red fruit in there as well that's like all cooked down together mm-hmm. mm. with some maybe some blackberry even happening that's really rad if i was going to get a bottle from my home bar yes what is this going to run me in my local liquor store um you know, in terms of mezcal pricing, this is a really low price point bottle. <laughs> Tequilas are a whole different story, but um, you would you would pay about $30, $32 for that bottle, I would say. That's great for a mezcal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm, it's got a great smoky tasting without like mm. that traditional Orno thing. I don't know why. It's got some like dense sugars in there. It's nice. It's that woody spicy note like makes me think of smokiness, you know. But there's no real smoke on it. That's really cool. Yes, it is. And those those like that creamy mouthfeel, that wild fermentation, because when you do the wild fermentation, there's opportunities for other bacterium to get in there, not just the yeast. So it can contribute to those like, you know, lactobacillus, create those uh, those creamy notes, cheesy notes, mm-hmm. you know, the long fermentation with wild wild uh, influences in the in the fermentation. Yeah, and I mean, you know, definitely not something you encounter with with straight up tequila, right? No. Yeah, this has been, uh, since we started carrying it, this is kind of the bottle that I go to when it is the topic of conversation with people who come in here are tequila consumers, and they're like, oh, I don't know much about mezcal, you know, but I'm interested in knowing more about it, but the smoke is too much for me. You know, this is just a way to start the conversation and talking about what we kind of premised on when we first started, which is, you know, this is very much... A, a blue Weber agave, you know, and it's technically a mezcal, but not all production notes on this make it, you know, what what most mezcals taste like, you know. Uh, like right. I think the no only more, other, no, no, yeah, like, the only like other Azul that we carry is actually through Del Maguey. They have one that's called the San Luis de Rio Azul, and that's the only other one, but that's much more and the earthy, smoky They are aspect using like the that. conical yeah, pit. Yeah, for sure. I for mean, these, yeah, these guys are in the pits this for that one. It's unique then. And it, that's a great idea, Luis, the idea that this is kind of a gateway to the world of mezcal for mm-hmm. tequila drinkers because it doesn't have that intense smokiness, but it's got this intense vegetal quality that mm-hmm. lends to the mezcal world much more than the big brand tequilas especially where you can kind of lose the essence of the agave. Yeah, well, you're not you know? really getting like a lot of complex flavors in tequila unless you're looking at aged tequilas sometimes, you know, so for this to be a straight, you know, double distilled you know, Blanco and have that much depth and flavor, you know, in, in the palate and at the nose. It's, uh, it's very different from a lot. Mm, I like that. I like that. So what's the second mark that you brought in, Josh? So uh, though I mentioned that uh, Jaime's family has been doing this for generations and that he is now the fourth generation to take over the distilling, he is the first one of the family to decide that he would like to distill a more, what we recognize as traditional mezcal, right? From some of the wild, uncertified agaves that are growing in the region around their taberna, right? Um, this first one is called Maspario. Ah, yes. And um, mysterious. From the family of the Maximiliana. You and think? What does that plant right? look like? Because mm-hmm. when, I, when I start to like try to understand uh, the mezcals, it, I'm always going back to the fact that like, all them, they come in such such different shapes and sizes. Some of them have stalks and like the the size of the fronds and the way that the fronds relate to themselves, like whether they're really dense or whether they're really spread out and crazy looking. Those all have a, a great deal of effect on the final flavor profile, the amount of skin to flesh that, you know, the ratios, those things all play into the way that that end varietal taste exerts itself. Um, what does this plant look like? Um, that's funny. <clears throat> I know that there's a Masparillo in Durango, mm-hmm. where you mentioned you have family, right? Yeah. And 
I'm not entirely certain that it is the same plant. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> because they I, just have the same name. Yeah, Max. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one, there's actually an agave family called Impressa or something like that is, is what I was reading. Uh, I think uh, that's it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not sure, but that's, Dur- that's Durango, uh, yeah. not Zacatecas. But yeah, um, they don't have a, a botanical designation for this one, as in Aspadinus and Gustafolia. Uh, Mexicanos rhodocantha, right? But it isn't certified. I, I, I've heard that, and somebody also said to me that they think that this one is is a rhodocantha. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, um, and I haven't seen it with my own eyes. And we've that's, known from that's always That's always the tall, the tall tale of it all. You know, it's like you get all these different names and people who are trying to classify it, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like it's just another it's local agave, agave. That's, <laughs> that people are cooking to use, you know? And um, yeah. we sometimes get too caught up on like being you know politically correct on like how do we classify this and where does it belong you know it's like you know you look at a you know papalote you know for example you know it's like it's one of those it's also referred to as cuprieta you know but it just has different names different different places different places different and it traditional different language different indigenous languages because you have so many different kind of uh different subcultures with their own dialects they have the same different names for the same plant, or slight variants of different plants. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Oaxaca is huge, and southern Mexico is massive, you know. So there's, you know, a lot of room for different wow. interpretations of things. What are you getting on the nose here? Ooh, this one's very smoky, nice. So now, yes. Yeah, so now these are cooked in the traditional conical oven, right? So they spend uh, three to I think up to seven days, depending on climate. Um, slow roasting, you know, so direct heat as opposed to steam. I get a nice, like, uh, there's a good minerality here, like almost like new pencils and then like, um, sharpened graphite, the pencil station, but with wood too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm over there with my nose in the pencil sharpener. Teacher's telling me to go sit down. No. Uh, and then also there's like a, a ham thing happening, you know, like a little, that smoked meat. It's not like hit you over the head mesquite or something mm. like that it's but it is smoky and it's got a little bit of a savory quality on the nose oh, now let's taste this wow there's a lot going on there green you get like moss a little bit of a c- cucumber skin type deal a verdant green but there's a nuttiness too mm-hmm. a really strong mineral character like that petrichor wet earth or like a gravel road after a rain Ooh, that's nice it's got a real spice behind it too mm-hmm. this one i do get a little bit of like cinnamon candy uh, like a little bit of the red hots on the finish like <laughs> a sweet spice i like that mm-hmm. and then what's the bottle cost on this in my local liquor store so that one's gonna run more like uh 85, probably up to mid-90s. So the Masparillo Silvestre, a wild agave. Beautiful. And so these guys are using little copper pot stills for this this one? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah, copper still distillation. And the same guy's doing both of these? Yes, he is. He's just got a different orno. He's got the conical earthen oven. Exactly, yeah. For, they built for the more of a, you know, what you're used to seeing, Palenque-wise, right? And, uh, the, the you know, this is a relatively, this is a new project for him. Like, he's, you know, he decided to try his hand at something very different than what he was traditionally 
you know, taught to do by his dad. And he's got his son apprenticing him at this point, right? So, so their family tradition was that cool, like, ceramic oven, like a big yeah. clay, yeah. polished clay yeah. kind of vibe. Interesting. Making. And uh, they're using, with the little copper stills there, they use the same stills, just different cooking methods? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still wild fermentation. It's still crushed the whole way. I mean, it's just different cooking styles, right? And the, cool. the smoke is a lot more obvious on these, of course, right? Because of it. That's cool. That's yeah. like an, a great education, just the comparison between those two. It's like a, that is, again, right. taking that bridge. Change the roast and it changes a lot. And I mean, it's a great education for someone mm -hmm. who doesn't know that much about mezcal, but they like tequila. They want to kind of step into that world. They could try these side by side and it kind of like you're, you're Stepping right into it, you know? Right. So, I mean, this, and by the way, this is, this is cultivated Blue Weber, right? Mm -hmm. That they're growing naturally, right? I mean, there's, it's got its own biodiversity. It's reproducing, it's reproducing naturally, right? They're not cloning generations. And these are, these are Silvestre. Like, these are wild-growing agaves in the region. Um, the agaves themselves are interesting because they have different ways of self-propagating like in uh they have like little sprouts that sometimes they grow off the base of the, the plant clothes. yeah mm -hmm. and they're like they're little babies the little the pups, rabbits yeah. mm -hmm. and then they have like little boobils that you know pop off of the the top the off of the, the quiote flower, those yeah. little seeds drop down and, and just... or like hummingbirds or bats will spread them around yeah. and then and then there's also um there's another way that they can spread their seed um I can't remember. There's, I know there's like three different ways that some of these plants can continue to propagate, you know, with the whole 400 rabbits is that they're very fertile little plants. They just spread and spread and spread, potentially. Some of the wild ones, you go out there and you look in the mountains and like they're few and far between. That's yeah. why I'm always like, wow, how do these guys gather all these things? They got to like take their donkey out into the hills and like go up on these like super rocky desert mountaintops looking for, you know, there's one over here and then there's one like way off in the distance. Okay, I'm going to go over there. And is it ripe yet? No, I can't harvest this yet. Like, wow, that's a disappointment. So this third mark that we're going to get into from the Hacienda de Buenuelos is the Tepamete. Tepamete. Wow, that's a varietal I've never heard of. And it goes back to the thing of like the kind of different, same names or slightly different names for the same plant. Is that because it sounds kind of like Tepestate, but it's not Tepestate, it's Tepamete. Do you know what is this plant all about? Um, well, I can tell you that there is another brand with an expression called Tepe from Zacatecas. So that's mm -hmm. definitely a short <clears throat> of, of the same plant. That's not one of those, uh, you know, Barillas, Madre Cuiche, whatever, whatever, different villages. Like that's just, you know, <laughs> essentially a nickname. But as to what this is, I, I saw Masparillo, you know, identified in Durango, not Zacatecas. So at least as that, I can't find this. Anywhere, anywhere, any reference yeah. point. There's no, there's no scientific uh, and name for it. Definitely it. my new favorite mezcal expression of anything that we're dealing. I, I just love this particular one so much. Um, and I mean, a lot of that's obviously going to have to do with the hand of the mezcalero on it. And this is Jaime again, same guy. This is Jaime, yeah. Same stills, yep. conical earthen pit for this one. Correct. Yeah. And the tepemete. Do we know what this plant looks like? Is it? Uh, does I it have a big like stalk or like a trunk or is it's it? not a Karwinski. Okay. I think it's an Angostifolia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's just that's, that's what, just that's a hunch. What I, when I did it's, some it's, research it's on it, it's big ish. Um, it matures ten ish years. You know what I mean? Um, is it got the big floppy fronds or is it more spiky like an Espadine style? 
it's more spiky from yeah, what I saw. They're not some like of the they don't look like pictures. those razor sharp like but it's it, it makes sense. But I mean, you know, there are so many different angostifolias around um that have different sizes and you know, in different states. I'm gonna have to pull up some photos. We'll put them up on the podcast webpage. We'll figure this out. Andrew's shaking his head. Why, Pedro, why? Why would you say that? <laughs> don't tell you? them we're going to do that. God damn it. So stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind from this Hacienda de Buenuelos Tepedmete? Oh, my. I like the way this smells. It's just roasty. You know what I mean? Without being smoky. Yeah. Almost leathery. It's got none of that. You know how much of that over-roasted, over like, plasticine sort of, uh, you know... Um, Petrol, so so many. There are so many of those mezcals, and it's, I just get none. It's none no, of them. No, this is like verdant and green, like yeah. a really, really well roasted pepper, and then yeah, to the point of like leather. There's a nuttiness, but all yeah, a leathery kind of thing going on there, like woody, nutty, verdant green. Mm. Kind so, of a smell is like what a like nopales are for me. It's like when nopales have been like poached and they come out of the water they're yeah. nice and hot like that kind of same aroma is what i'm getting right oh, now i love that I my correlation that. To, to how i can identify it <laughs> i dig i dig well that's a good way to explain it for a lot of folks who maybe they've never had nopales before like that's a good entry level into understanding the flavor of these different mezcals because similar plants definitely get also you know maybe might be a terroir thing but like there's there's definitely that we we're talking about that like kind of Cinnamon sweet spice thing going on with it, right? Baking spice. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of, um, what are they called? What are those candies? A licorice? Yeah, it's it's one of those. There's a, what are they, good and plenties? The cinnamony ones? Hot tamales? Oh, red hot. Hot tamales. Hot tamales. Hot tamales. So needless to say, is that what we're giving out to the trick-or-treaters? <laughs> wow. No, we have some, what's those, they're called uh, pulka... Pulque dots. What are they? Ah, they're from Mexico. Hold on. I'm going to grab really fast. Is that those chocolate coins over there? Yeah, we got a bunch. Of, we went to uh, I'm just gonna go market. Say we went to the Pinata District today and got a bunch of different uh That looks like Hanukkah and gelt to me, my friends. Let's <laughs> go really fast. This is the pulparin, pulparin dots. Mm-hmm. But this is oh, nice. kind of a hot candy, right? Yeah. This is traditional from southern Mexico, this little Halloween candy? You can just find it pretty much anywhere. Okay, I'm not going to taste it right now, but Dio de los Muertos, little traditional <laughs> treats we've got in here. All right, I'm into this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is awesome. So, like, it does have an inky kind of smoke, but it's actually really floral and fruity, too. I've, I get, like, bubble gum and... Like a grapey thing going on right in the middle there, like some anise. There's a lot happening there. Mm. Yeah, the bubble cum is definitely like kind of the, that after lingering taste that I'm getting right it's now. It's a bright floral mm-hmm. on top of these like really dark notes. Yeah. You know, you got this like really toasty, leathery, green thing happening, but then like these really high florals as well. That's beautiful. Maybe it is a tipistock. <laughs> this is a lot going on with the flavor profile here yeah. for it to be. You could just keep finding new notes the more you like sip after sip. That's just one yeah. sip, you know. Two, we're going to get to something else. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just like, it's just kind of, you know, for us, it's like, since we don't know the agave species and, you know, we're not there to see where they're coming from, you know, it, I think it kind of just more or less has to do with the, the ground that it's in, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you can, you know, you can farm all espadine and not all espadine is going to come out the same, out of the same field, you know, there's just different pockets of soil and nutrition that just affect, you know. It's interesting, yeah, and it's all those others. years, you know. It's just years, you know. Years in the earth. It's not like whiskey where you're waiting for years in the barrel. This is years out in the arid mountains, and there's no one watering the agaves often, especially these wild varietals. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is. It is yep. what the earth made it to be mm-hmm. after 10 years, 13 years. That's really, there's something else going on here. It's really like there's a little... Almost like, I don't know, like fresh tortillas or something. I'm getting like, there's like a just the, corny, hammy, burnt thing going on. It's really got a lot of layers. I also smell clay, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. And what's the bottle price on this? Uh, it's a bit of an uptick from that last one. So you'd probably be looking at like just over 100 for this one. I'm getting like a like a hay and tea thing on the finish. It's like it's really got this kind of alfalfa hay thing on the finish. It's like like good alfalfa that you'd feed a horse. That that green hay, not the <laughs> I guess is is there's straw and hay. This is that green hay. Straw is what you put down in the the beds for the horses, and hay is what they eat. Okay. And the green fresh hay, the alfalfa. That's what I'm getting here. Is like you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh my. No, I don't. Josh is like, it's still my favorite, though. Grew up in the city. <laughs> I have no still idea what you're favorite. referencing. Horses. And, <laughs> pictures of horses on the label, and that's where it's. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that the that family was just raises like, horses. That's why. That's uh-huh. why. That's why they. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Beautiful stallion. So I still am. There's this cinnamon bubblegum note thing that's just bouncing back and forth for me. It's it, there's a there's a lot going on with that one. It's like if somebody handed me a. A bazooka piece of bubble gum and one of those Wrigley's uh, red pieces of gum as well, like the big red. Yeah, and big just, red. Like, just chewed both of them at the same time. <laughs> That's kind of what's happening right now. I dig, I dig. That's a beautiful <laughs> little mezcal. So, Yui is this final mark here. Is that how you pronounce it? Yui? Yui, yeah. And mm-hmm. these bottles all look the same. Are you? Are these all bottled at the same facility? Or you guys... No. How's this? No, no, how no, come no, they no. look so alike? Uh, that's because the Esteban, who who is the importer, has a, you know, very much a hand in, in arranging all this stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm sure that there's he something... He just orders glass. Yeah, he orders glass. Yeah, he orders some glass. Right on. And so this fourth mark, the Yui... Bacanora and one of Luis's favorite Bacanoras, right? Like this. Yeah. Can you explain what Luis? What give us a background of what what's Bacanora all about? You know, I'm still learning a little bit more about it, just because there wasn't really much information out there when uh, when I first started stepping into the the field of playing with agave all day every day. <laughs> uh, the only frame of reference I had was. Uh, Ume, who was making a bacanora, uh, but that was about it. Um, and even then, right now, this is the only bacanora that I can consistently bring in to the bar right now. Uh, and that all kind of changes, you know, from where it's coming from, from the state. I think this one is from Sonora. So um, up north. So a little more up north. Um, but in terms of, like, production and distillation, it's similar in the same essence. 
as some of the mezcal production. Um, oak, mesquite, wood, things like that used for fire. Uh, but as Josh was saying earlier, they, they age in plastic. So that's, you know, some people do it. Some people do it in glass with mezcal. So I think that's kind of a little up to interpretation at the hand of the people who are producing it. But supposedly um, there's nothing coming from that, right? No, it's no, non-reactive plastic. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's resting. But the, the idea that um, agave distillate will actually round out with some exposure to oxygen in a way that, you know, like in glass with some exposure to oxygen. But, I mean, whiskey doesn't really change. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, down the road, decades, yeah, that, that'll it'll definitely... Well, uh, whiskey spins years in a barrel. This yeah. needs to rest because it's coming straight off the still. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it needs to rest so that, you know, when you put something through a still, you're breaking it apart on a molecular level. You're taking the alcohol away from the water. So you need to let it settle again. You did like an intense, uh, you know, kind of reformation of the actual chemical makeup of the distillate. And so it needs time to kind of bond back to itself, to meld itself and not be so spiky to get those like lingering flavors those like, uh, you know, chains, molecular chains need time to, to bond and to form and to lengthen. Uh, in this case, tell us, I mean, yeah, tell us, is this a different master mescalero? Yeah. Oh, this is an entirely different producer. Um, so I mean, Bacanora does exist as part of its own DO and I, I believe it was established right around 2000. Um, has to be from the state of Bacanora. I mean, excuse me, the state, <laughs> of, the state of Bacanora has We're, to be from the... If I named, drink half this bottle, so, I will be in the state of Bacanora. Bacanora. Yeah. So <laughs> what I was trying to say was um, it's, it is named for the village area around Bacanora. So it's, it basically copied the tequila deal, right? Where tequila was named for a certain village area. Um, and then it spread to the entire state of Jalisco is what we're calling tequila, right? So the entire state of Sonora is what I was trying to say. Uh, produces Bacanora. It is specifically uh, Agave Pacifica, which is an Angostifolia. It is a relative of Espadine from Oaxaca, but not exactly the same. Um, you know, and as far as that goes, like this particular one is, yes, it's it's cooked underground like we think of traditional mezcal. It's double distillation, first in a stainless steel still and then a copper still. Um, it's uh, Stone ground, as far as the milling goes, you know, I mean, it's it's in every way a mezcal, um, but Sonora is like Zacatecas is not a designated tequila state. Uh, Sonora uh, and not a designated yeah, mezcal is not state a either. designated mezcal state. So we have Bacanora. Yeah, I mean, um, I believe in the '90s it was, you know, it was very illegal. It was illegal. Absolutely, it was illegal. Yeah. You know, illegal. up until like I think mid '90s, it was and people were bootlegging it throughout Mexico, just as you know when the whiskey revolution was happening in the United States, and the bootleggers were making their own their own moonshine, you know, and selling it out and doing their yeah. own thing. And this particular regulation, uh, this particular strain of Angostifolia, uh, I think, takes a, a bit longer to mature on the average. And is smaller and does not yield as much juice as, as an espadine would, right? Yeah. So um, they yeah, don't. The spines, like the leaving, is a lot, a lot thinner, very sharp and long, like sword like, but very thin, almost, yeah. almost like sotol. Right, which looks like kind of like weird bushy grass kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That is cool. Let's get into this Bacanora from Yui. Yui, Y O O W E. Ooh, and this one's fruity. I get a little apple here on the nose. Mm. Like red apple and celery. What else is going on here? 
Ah, there's something really specific, like a clove, the kind of thing happening in there. You find in general, there's this, there's this, seeing as how they're all in the same area from the same agave, there's a through line of Bacanora, like there is with, let's say, well-made tequilas. But um, I I tend to associate Bacanora flavor profiles as being vegetal, minty, menthol, and there's always kind of this, sometimes, I suppose, depending on who's making it, this, this, this sort of diesel aspect Mm -hmm. (laughs) to some of it, which is, um, not, not all over this, right? There's, there's some balance here. Um, those notes when I encounter them kind of to me, you know, speak to <clears throat> maybe too generous of a cut. <laughs> um, too many tails. Yeah. Too many tails. And, uh, this, this really doesn't, this is, this, Ooh, is, this is nice. You know, I, I know that, uh, the fellows that I work with were looking at other Bacchanors for a while and just couldn't find one that just even seemed like, Worthwhile, yeah. all, the, all the hassle that would really in, hold yeah. up to some of the mezcals that we that we yeah. carry. Well, yeah. This is great. It's like raspberry chocolate. It's really, really yeah. good. They get the raspberry. Yeah, red fruit. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't really considered a little bit that. of eucalyptus for me too. Hmm. I think that's that kind of awesome. like where the herb is coming from for me. And a little bit of that gluey, pulpy minerality in there as well. Oh wow, like lignans, but just rested in glass. Just rested in glass. Yeah. That's beautiful. What is the U-Way uh, available for at my local liquor store? You would probably be looking at, I would say, uh, low to mid-60s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Very off the beaten path. Really unique. Oh, that's nice. And once again, you know, I mean, what we're seeing, right, is, is people are kind of just getting their heads around, I mean, Americans at any rate are just getting their heads around, like, mezcal and why mezcal is pricey in some ways and stuff like that and just as they're doing that you're like oh this is try some bacanora try some what i see it yeah it's, it's just so important i think to, to get everybody to understand like it's all mezcal it's just all mezcal yep. it's not a different spirit you know yep. what i mean it's all part of the same overall tradition coming from strains of the same plant in the same way that you can make whiskey out of rye or corn or wheat right i mean it's it's or rice <laughs> or rice <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's. Uh, I, I I know you know. I, I don't know how how. I haven't looked at the, the menu recently. We get that list and you see that there's all, all of our mezcals and then there's this, there's this bacanora and then yeah. there's there's what I see and people are like I don't even want to go over there and like, yeah. it, like it's I'm, all mixed I'm, in together. Yeah, the mezcals are already <laughs> overwhelming, but now they're like yeah. other subcategories. You know, it's just and it's, all um, it's all just mezcal made by. Yep. You know, different, I just refer to it mezcal yeah. de vino. So yeah. Keep exactly. it simple, you well, know. It's, um, you were talking about uh, your folks like having mezcal de vino at the table. Is that would that been single distilled, or is that just like kind of like pulque, like just straight agave wine? Uh, no, because like agua de miel is like something that's a little different, and that's something that's very traditional for you know for a lot of people in uh, in, in Mexico and growing up in. And, and that atmosphere is uh, agua de miel is something that's like, given to you as a child, actually, as a, as a supplement from, you know, when your mother is breastfeeding. You know, it, they say that it has some of the same nutritional properties that you should be taking in. So, you know, there, there are parents out there who are feeding their kids. Like, Healthy enzymes. Fre- yeah, fresh, you know, just it's the miel that comes from the agave that's just been strained out that day before it turns to pulque. And then once that pulque turns, then it turns into what can be more alcohol, you know. But do you know if what you guys had at the table was mm-hmm. that distilled at all? Was it that like, was definitely distilled? Was yeah. it double distilled or just single distilled? Because like, say, like in Japan, you have 
sake, yeah. and then you have shoju, which is once distilled, and then if they distill it twice, then you've got Japanese whiskey. Right. Yeah. I think that kind of just comes down to who they were com- who they were getting it from. You know, uh, I just know that like you know my my grandparents from my father's side were all farmers, so you know I, they worked much more off a of barter system than they did off you know currency. So I think it was just establishing that relationship with their neighbors and the people surrounding their area and just, you know, saying, hey, I have this, you have that, I'll take this, you know, it tastes great. I'm not going to ask questions about how you made it. Yeah. I just want it. (laughs) That that was the commerce of the old world. Like these, even, you know, farmers condensing, preserving their commodities and then trading them without the use of paper money or coins. Wow. Great stuff, Josh. Thank you. Thanks so much for bringing this Made stuff in. Myself. Are they <laughs> are they going to be expanding the the line of the UE stuff? You know, I have no idea. The I'll, I'll tell you the uh, Banuelos uh, Tequilana was a, an arrival by itself, and uh, several months later, boom, they did expand the line. So um, I don't know when you talk about Bacanora specifically. Like that's it. It's that one agave made in that one place, right? So I don't know. Does that mean that they they show up with reposados and añejos? Does it mean that they no? They would you know, the same producer might decide to do other agaves and call it destilado de agave, right? Like it's just agave distillate. We don't have a classification for it because uh, some guys behind a desk are going no 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 no. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, who, who knows what these guys are going to do? Yeah, and you see that with some you know some of the brands that are coming up into the market is they're kind of fighting that. That structure where they're like, you know what, we're not going to fit in your box of how you want to label us. Like we're working with families who've been making this traditionally for generations and they're going to keep doing yeah. it the way that they've been yeah. making. And however that falls, fuck it. We'll call it agave distillate. We Who are, cares? Yeah, we are very specifically more and more like wading into that whole area yeah. of like, let's, let's just work with people that are like, eh, screw the CRM. We're going to do this anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so that's some of the best product that I've had, yeah. you know, is, yeah, is some of the, the ones that, that just, the world is changing. It's just like, you know, people don't want to be put in boxes anymore, you know? Cheers to that. Well, Josh, thanks for so much for coming in tonight for the little Mezcal Collective tasting here at Las Perlas. Luis, thanks for co-hosting here. No problem. My pleasure. Hacienda de Buenuelos and the Yui. Some great agave-based and bacanora-based spirits currently available in Southern California. Is this spreading across the rest of the country yet? Um, as far as I know, these are only available in California and I think Texas. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're very thirsty folks in those two states. Hey, it's right there. Just California alone consumes more mezcal than all of Mexico. This is Texas, close behind. I'm sure that's a big state. Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Josh, Thanks, for man. coming out tonight, man. And Thank let you. us know about any new arrivals you've got coming to market. This is really exciting explorations. Hard. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.